Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Uh, the weekend has arrived, and someone is already trying to poke the bear running off at the mouth. That didn't take long. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. We're going to get you geared up for the weekend. I'm your host, Raymond Parch Third, better known as the big, bald, and beautiful one, RP3. I'm joined by Miss Sassy Pants herself, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. We do have a tremendous show lined up for you today. Hour from now, James Yasko will join us to talk all things Houston Astros. Stros gearing up for a series against the Halos this weekend. And they keep maintaining their pace over the New York Yankees. We'll talk all about that coming up at an, in an hour from now with our friend from the Lima Time Time podcast. At 7.30, the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair, will join us to help preview the historic matchup between Southern and LSU inside Tiger Stadium. They're already giving warnings about the traffic. Like, they're saying that they expect it to be worse than normal. Traffic on Nicholson, traffic getting to the game, trying to cross the Mississippi River to get to the game is usually a bear to begin with. But because they're playing Southern, which is two miles down the road, and Southern fans ball out always. They show up. They always have a good time. They're expecting this to be like epic traffic extravaganza on Saturday. Yeah. It's going to be an event. We'll talk with Chris Blair at 7.30 about that. At 8.15, Zach Miller joins us for some fantasy football talk as he does every Friday, and then former Saints starting linebacker, Super Bowl champion, Scott Shanley, that's right, will be joining us to help preview the Saints season opener against the Atlanta Falcons, and that'll be for the Big Easy Blitz at 8.30. So we got our guests lined up for you today. We're going to get you geared up for the weekend, as we previously stated we got a poll question of the day to get to about college football. But we're going to start off just with going ahead and dressing the elephant in the room. So, I knew this was going to happen. I, I, I have encouraged it. So, this is, this is my own fault. I walk in the door, getting here at the studio. And, of course, Five Names is rocking her Seattle Mariners gear. By the way, I've been, have I not said publicly on the air numerous times before the season and during the season that the Mariners are a dangerous team? Yes. I give credit where credit is due. Are they going to catch the Astros for the division title? No. 
but Seattle has a nice young core. They have a, a budding superstar who finished his runner-up at the Home Run Derby. They got things going up at the Emerald City. And obviously, that is five names as team. She loves them. She's got the 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 jersey, if you will. It's a shirt slash jersey. Jersey. So the Mariners are playing the my Bravos this weekend. Three game series. Should be a good look. I mean, Braves are contending to win the NL East again. Mariners are one of the top wild card teams. They're both really good baseball teams. I walk in, and what did you say? Five names? What? No, no, no. I'll set, I'll set the table further. I'm sorry. So the NFL season started last night, and the Rams got shellacked. There's no other way of saying that. Remember when I've been telling you that Josh Allen could be, at the end of the season, the best quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put on a performance last night. He, he, he still had what, a couple picks, and he still had a monster game. Monster game. Jalen Ramsey looks lost. There may not be a more overrated player in the NFL in the last five years than that guy. Nothing like looking good against inferior competition, but when he goes up against elite competition like Stephon Diggs, he gets made to look silly. My opinion, probably the most overrated player in the NFL the last five years. And he got exposed again last night. Stephon Diggs just worked him the whole game. He had like one pass deflection early in the game, and and he started jawing at Stephon. And Stephon's like, (laughs) really, man? Okay. And then just went after him the whole game. And Jalen Ramsey's like, I don't know. I thought I was the best corner in the league. No, no, bro. You never were the best corner in the league. We'll go ahead and end that conversation right now. They got worked. The Rams' offensive line is going to be an issue. We talked about that, right? We talked about no big wit. Andrew Whitworth, the former LSU star, Louisiana native, he he remember he for he pushed off retirement for one year to come back last year. He helped anchor that offensive line. He was like 40 years old. They needed the 40-year-old old man out there last night because it was rough. No Cam Akers being utilized in this game for some reason. Jalen Ramsey got beat up. And Matthew Stafford. The elbow issue in the offseason, the surgery. Remember, Matthew Stafford led the league in interceptions a year ago. We, 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 We try to forget that. Because... He had a good postseason run where he didn't turn over the ball constantly. But for the regular season, the big, high-profile quarterback that the Rams brought in did what? He was a turnover machine. Led the league in picks. Led the league in picks. He's always had a turnover issue. Coming off the surgery, Super Bowl hangover, He was not good. I was broadcasting the single Andrew Parrish game of the week. So I was focusing on that. But halftime, I checked in. 
And I have, of course, Matthew Stafford on my fantasy football team in the RP3 and Company League. And, of course, the first team that I'm facing is whatever the Trey Quanzelier rifle team created by Hannah Five Names. So I check in. I was like, well, old Stafford's not having a very good game. And, and sure enough, he did not. 29 of 41 for only 240 yards, one touchdown, three picks, and a fumble. That's like the worst case scenario for Matthew Stafford. I've had Matthew Stafford on my fantasy football team before. He is going to give you games where you go, what you doing? That's why I never considered Matthew Stafford an elite quarterback. He was always good for fantasy. He was like Tony Romo. He'd get up, give you really good fantasy numbers for the most part for the entire season. But he was never an elite quarterback. Maybe elite for the NFL bros, because Stafford is a bro, and so was Tony Romo. But this was an atrocious performance, and Stafford only gave me a whopping 12.80 points. It was projected to score 25. He only scores me 12.8 points. So I'm going up against Hannah Five Names. It was supposed to be like a 50-50 prediction. But now it's you know gone 56% for her because Matthew Stafford, you know, wetted himself, looked awful. Just atrocious performance by him. Wasn't going through his reads, was only trying to feed the ball to Cooper Cup all night. First game of the NFL season. On the precipice of us having our two baseball teams face each other, having to work with each other over the weekend covering the Louisiana Raging Cajuns game. And someone decides to do what? Smack talk before it's even 6 o'clock in the morning on the Friday. Looked at me with a big grin on her face like she had just got $100 on the scratch-off lotto ticket from the bodega and was like, Stafford, huh? He had a good game. And I'm like... What? I'm like, what? First of all, I was caught off guard by the enthusiasm and the smack talk from five names who just started playing fantasy football last year, who, by the way, just started watching baseball this year. So she is embracing it with vigor, which I'm here for. But then you take it another step. Tell the people what you did. You're bragging about your shirt. Yeah, got my shirt. Make sure it's nice and clean, straight so you can see it. (laughs) And then, so, after she clapped at me about Stafford playing like a donkey, which he did, and more than likely that could be the difference in this weekend. I didn't like my chances anyway, to be perfectly (laughs) fair with you. They said it was 50-50. I went and I said, I don't I don't like I don't I don't like my chances just just to let you know because Kenneth actually has uh Josh Allen he's he gave him 31 oh, point, four, eight oh, points oh just a monster night yeah just the the guy he's he's he may be a better version than Brett Favre a, be, a better version of Brett Favre and, and that's saying a lot so 
then you you show off your shirt. Already talking smack about this matchup between your Mariners and my Braves for this weekend. Digging at me about the fantasy football start to the weekend. No, no, not enough. Get a t- Look at my shirt. It's all clean. It's all clean. I'm ready. Feeling yourself. And what was my response to your shirt? You, you, you don't want to share with the people? I'll go ahead and share with the people. So after she clapped at me about the Stafford fantasy football numbers and then wanted to brag on our team, and look, your team may take two or three this weekend. Just saying. I like Seattle. They're a dangerous team. If I'm in the American League, if I'm the Yankees or if I'm the Astros, I probably don't want to face the Mariners because they're that type of team that could ruin your chances. But then I did what now? What You remember what I said to you? About when the last time it was, I went to the playoffs. No, 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 no. Or a championship. I actually, I, actually, I, actually, I said, that's adorable. Is that a World Series champion shirt? <laughs> and then I asked you, I go, oh, that's right. When's the last time y'all won a World Series? And then you had nothing to respond. And then I asked you, hey, have you ever even played in a World Series? Who has the distinction of winning the most regular season games in a season and not making the World Series? <laughs> We're going to have fun this weekend. I, I love it. I love See, most people, she is doing exactly what a fan should do. Right? And she's doing exactly what you should do as a fantasy football player. She's learning how to play. She just played for the first time last year. She sees an opportunity to talk some smack. First of all, she knows that I'll play along, which is mm-hmm. which is part of it, which I love. And then she wants to talk smack about her baseball team that she just jumped on board to support. And by the way, she did that before the start of the season. She picked that team by herself, was not a bandwagon team. So credit, Hannah Five names for that. I just wasn't ready for it pre-6 o'clock. Yeah, and, uh, I was like, I was like, what? What just happened? I just, I called a game last night. I, I'm trying to wake up. Yeah, Matt, Matt sent that picture in our group text about how we had that football from the Saints, and Kenneth was like, uh, uh, "Are we doing that?" I was like, "I already told you. I'm saying to big corporations and big businesses, go send something back to you." And so I'm probably gonna go and send something to the Mariners. And he goes, "I figured you would." Yeah. See, I don't. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, send to like Yeti. You send it to like your like favorite baseball or football like and basketball teams, and they usually were like, "Oh, we can't really come," but and then they give you something. Even it's like just like a you, sticker. you have to take advantage of that. I have to somehow yeah. exploit this for myself or for my daughter, and, <laughs> and figure out other ways of doing that. Because because Matt Miguez, who by the way is getting married today tonight, our Ooh. guy, the Crunch Time host, is getting married. So and. Uh, Congratulations to him for that. And uh, I hope his soon-to-be wife has plenty of patience um, because we love Matthew, but he's a little extra. So, yeah, I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah. I, I didn't. He, and he shares a photo of a Saints signed football. And I was like, what is this? I was like, why are you flying? And, and, and then, of course, Matt was like, well, you know, it's, it's from last year's team. It's not this year's. I was like, who cares? You got a bunch of signatures on a football and you got it for free. Yeah. Somebody actually sent one to the Cardinals. It's not on TikTok. They sent it to the Cardinals, and they got back, like, tickets to one of the games. What? Yeah. So, like, it's 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 a big thing. So, Yeti's going. I'm probably going to send one to Mark Harmon because my, you know, favorite actor. Um, 
and then the Mariners and maybe like LeBron for Kenneth because that's his favorite player. Well, you love the West Coast. Are you are you are you going to move to the West Coast like a former producer extraordinaire did? Is um, that you get? You love Seattle Mariners West Coast. You want to get something for LeBron? He plays for the Lakers. And Mark Harmon. Well, NCIS takes place in California, doesn't it? Doesn't it take, no, NCIS San Diego does. Yeah, that's right. The original one. That's right. No, NCIS Los Angeles. I get them all confused. But Mark Harmon, did you know Mark Harmon? I want to say played football at UCLA. Oh. He also his, he was a very good he was a very good college football player. His his character actually on NCIS his Gibbs. birthday yes his birthday is my birthday, it was same birthday, which is the Marine Corps' birthday. The facts that that just flowed out of you, yeah. That a fictional character from television's birthday is your birthday. Yeah, I think it's because he's like the face of like the Marine Corps when it comes to like the NCIS like show. So that's why they gave him the Marine Corps birthday, but yeah, there we go. it's my birthday. Gibbs, you know Gibbs is going to get his get get his man. Yeah, they think they're going to get away with it, but you know what happens? They don't. No, they don't. He's done. You know that? Huh? He's no longer playing on it. Like he's he's done. Well, that means I have no reason to watch it. I know. Kind of sad. <laughs> They added, like, the guy from that 70s show, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, no, no. no yeah, no. I know from here. No, no, no. There'll be none of that. No, no, there'll be none of that. Oh, the builder. <laughs> I was not expecting Mark Harmon conversation and Bob the Builder to come into the start of the show, but here we are. Here we are. When we return here at RP3 and Company, we'll get to some Saints for you as they prepare for the Falcons to open up the season on Sunday. That'll be coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here. That's right. Thursday night football is behind us. Sunday just in a few days. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Look, right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. 
licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Let's talk a little New Orleans Saints football. They'll open up the season at those Dirty Birds in Atlanta. Alvin Kamara, plenty of question marks about him this offseason. Not because of his ability. A lot of Saints fans were worried about his availability. Had the incident during Pro Bowl weekend in Las Vegas where he and members of his entourage allegedly assaulted a gentleman. Charges are out there. The hearing to officially charge him and proceed with a court hearing has been delayed multiple times. So here we sit in September, and it doesn't appear that AK-41 is going to miss any time, that he's going to be available for the season. So much so that he was named a team captain. Alvin Kamara named a team captain, the dynamic dual threat running back. And this is what the veteran and one of the leaders of the offense had to say about being selected as a team captain for the Saints. I mean, it mean a lot, you know. I think everybody was kind of like laughing, joking, like you've been a cap, but you know, just to get the the title and get that C on my jersey is it's definitely meaningful. Um, and I mean, it's it's my teammates voting for me, so it's a double compliment. So that speaks volumes about what the Saints think of him, and also what they believe his status is going to be for the rest of the year. You know. That tells me that like, nah, that this that this this is not going to be an issue for us. Next year, maybe. This season, not an issue. Now, look, we know the offense was not good last year. Four different starting quarterbacks, no Michael Thomas, two bouts of COVID, no Will Lutz to get the field goals. They were not very good offensively. The 32nd ranked passing offense in the NFL. And AK was asked, does he believe this team can get back to its standard on offense? I think we will. I think this is what we're used to seeing, um, you know, from everybody that's been here. Just high-powered playmakers and, you know, healthy. Like you said, I think that's the key word. A lot of guys just back healthy with Jameis coming back, Mike coming back healthy. You know, even on our offensive line, guys being healthy, um, it helps. Obviously, Trevor being down for a little bit, but, you know, he'll get back and he'll get right. But. I'm excited because we're all healthy and we're all, you know, ready and everybody's just itching to get back on the field together. So there is a lot of confidence about the offense. You've heard Michael Thomas kind of say this similar thing. Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. There's a lot of buzz about this offense kind of getting back to form. Offensive line's got to stay healthy. That's the big key. And unlike a lot of you, I actually believe in Jameis Winston to have a good season. I know there's some trepidation there. Pete Carmichael, he's going to help a lot with that, right? Because Pete is the longtime coordinator, assistant coach under Sean Payton. He takes over play calling duties full time now. And AK had this to say about his new OC and the new offensive mind for the Saints. Sneaky Pete, man, he 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 been the one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I th- I don't think a lot of people know. Like Pete, he was up. Like he he's a mastermind. I'll say that. Like so, you know. Um, this offseason with the switch with, with, with Sean leaving and D.A. taking over, you know, shoot, I went up, I was first at Pete, like, man, come on, we got to do this, let's go, let's go. So, you know, he was he was happy to, to obviously take the lead on the offense, um, playing, calling the plays, but 
it's not a, like you said, it's not a better or a worse thing, but I like Pete. You know, he seemed like kind of quiet and, and relaxed and like reserved, but he crazy. <laughs> and he, he definitely, I mean, he, he I think he take pride, takes pride in how he calls the plays with uh, uh, tempo and, you know, just I think he he's like a graceful play caller because I feel like he always knows what he wants to do. It's, it's always like setting up for something else. Well-respected in the locker room, just like Dennis Allen is as the head coach. Pete Carmichael's well-respected in the locker room. Now, a lot of people are going, hey, how much different is the offense going to be? You know, there is going to be some changes in the philosophy between Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael. They're different men, and they have slightly different philosophies when it comes to offense. But Carmichael talked about this himself. He said, look, there will be some tweaks to the offense, but the core values that you've been accustomed to seeing under Sean Payton are going to remain. I don't think really the philosophy has changed, uh, the belief of what this, uh, you know, this program's about. I think that a lot of stuff, you know, hinges also on who your personnel is and what they do well. And so there's some new faces in the building. And so obviously, you know, putting those guys we feel in the best position, what's the quarterback comfortable with? But as far as the overall philosophy, you know, every game's different. How do you, you know, there's, a, there's a plan of how you feel like you can win this game that Dennis lays out to the team. But overall, the core values are the same. Core values are the same, which you got to love to hear if you're a Saints fan. Now, injuries played a huge issue last year. Quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver, obviously. And Carmichael talked about, you know, having the offense and the playmakers and the skill position guys be healthy is, well, that's such a huge advantage. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, every guy that's in the building, they're here for a reason, and you just know during the course of a season that injuries are going to come up and issues like that. But it's 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 been pleasant to have those guys out there, and and you know just getting really the eleven out there and going. It's been it's been it's been great. I believe in Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback for the Saints if he can stay healthy. I think he's going to have a very good year, and I think he's going to lead the Saints to double digit wins into the playoffs. Some of you have doubt. What about his offensive coordinator? There's no doubt. I think no one would ever question his passion and love for the game. I mean, he is all football coming back since the, you know last year and just every minute of his time that he could be spending to get himself where he's been at right now has been just all football and all you know taking care of his body. They believe in him. Pete Carmichael's a smart guy. Dennis Allen's a smart guy. Mickey Loomis is a smart guy. Sometimes you got to trust the smart guys. Just saying. Just saying. I know we like to believe that we know more than coaches and NFL front office individuals. I get it. We're a fan, first and foremost. And we're an armchair quarterback, if you will. But trust Mickey. Trust what they do. And you'll see. We got to take a timeout. But trust us, we will return. And when we do, we're going to shift gears to college football. LSU McNeese. We're going to hear from Coach Brian Kelly and Coach Gary Goff. That's next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for The Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Big weekend for college football. That leads us to our poll question of the day here in RP3 and company. Got a trio of top 25 matchups yet again. I always love these early season top 25 matchups. They're great measuring stick games for both teams. Always is the case. LSU is not playing in one of those, but they are playing in a historic game. We'll get to more of that, more of that as well. But our poll question of the day is, which top 25 matchup are you watching on Saturday? Is it Tennessee at Pittsburgh? Is it Kentucky at Florida or Baylor at BYU? Or is it all of them? Many of you will probably say all of them. I'm intrigued by Kentucky at Florida because I'd like to see what how Billy Napier's team is going to handle success. They win in dramatic fashion over number seven Utah in the swamp last week. Great signature win. Now you got to maintain it. Now you jump up 18 spots in the polls. And now you have a Kentucky team that's beat you twice in the last four years. The Wildcats are not scared of the Gators by any stretch of the imagination. And this is a divisional game. Should be a good one. Most of you agree with me. 71% of you say Kentucky at Florida. 19% say all of them. 5% for Tennessee at Pittsburgh. Another 5% for Baylor at BYU, which is going to be like at midnight on Saturday night. Ton on Twitter says, I expected a lot of Napier love, but dang, I'll be flipping between all games, but a bulk of my viewing will be Tennessee at Pitt. That's a, it's going to be a sneaky good game too. I want to see if they're overhyped or not. Kentucky is probably going to Kentucky and be overblown. Baylor and BYU are too vanilla for my taste. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I will watch any football I can whenever is I can, however I can. I love football. Watch the AFL, USFL, go breakers, XFL both times, football. <laughs> JPK, the OD, says all of them, but especially the Kentucky-Florida game. Billy Napier is definitely exploiting my residual love for the time he spent at UL. I hope this mess has a half-life and decays like depleted uranium. Rooting for the Gators in any small way goes against every fiber of my being. And then shares the gift of NCIS with someone asking Gibbs, how can you not know Florida man? All oh, Florida man. Salty Steve, who is always his best on Friday, says Napier's going to make LSU regret not hiring him. Ooh, we can have a discussion about that too. Hashtag no salt Friday. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day about which top 25 matchup you're looking forward to the most this weekend in college football. But let's talk a little LSU, shall we? A little Brian Kelly. He held another press conference this week. They're gearing up to take on Southern for the first time ever. It's going to be a historic game. The, the bands are not battling. Got to make sure I use the right band verbiage because I was scalded by a certain former band geek slash producer extraordinaire slash Seattle Mariners fan slash fantasy football smack talker. So they're gearing up to play Southern for the first time. It's going to be a special event. And he mentioned earlier this week that, look, they were going to have other guys work out in the return game because Malik Neighbors, former Como High and Southside High star, struggled, had the two muff punts. Thankfully, it didn't result into touchdowns for LSU, but they wanted to re-examine, wanted to see if they needed to make a change. And Brian Kelly gave us an update about that, about, yeah, they're going to put somebody else back there, but they've been working to help Malik, and Malik's their guy. 
you know, I think, you know, having done this for, you know, three decades, I think, you know, I've had great players that have had, you know, ups and downs, and, and you just show confidence in them. And by doing so, they, they, they'll choose confidence. They're great players, and um, I think the worst thing you can do is, um, you know, not continue to show confidence and a belief in them. Um, he'll, he's, he, he's like everybody else. I mean, he, he wanted to, you know, excel. He, he didn't catch punts in high school. I mean, but he wanted to do that here, um, and I give him great credit for wanting to do that. And so we just supported him. He had a really good week, and we expect him to, you know, obviously, um, you know, have a great game. I don't remember if he didn't do punts in high school because I covered him for a couple years when he was at Como. Remember his senior season at Southside, he, never, he didn't get to play. He was ruled ineligible. Now, I remember him returning kicks and playing quarterback and wide receiver and doing everything for the Como Spartans, but I don't remember – if he returned punts that said Brian Kelly supports his guy they're going to put Sage Ryan back there too so it's going to be in all 3-3-7 feel into the return game but Malik is still their primary guy they worked with him they coached him up they believe in him they want to use him moving forward we'll see what happens there speaking of confidence and Brian Kelly talked about having confidence how confident is he in his defense i'm very confident i mean look mason smith is an outstanding football player i wish we had mason smith but we don't unfortunate injury but you know we've moved past that and now we've got makai starting in his place and, and then we'll we're gonna have to have other guys step up as well and and that's just the nature of ball uh, whether it's high school college or the nfl you're gonna have injuries and they're going to challenge your depth. This one's going to challenge our depth, but we're excited for the guys to get an opportunity to come in here and play. Look, having Mason gone is a huge loss. He could have been the best D lineman they had, but he's not there. So you have to just move on. And it's not to take anything away from the young man and what he brought to the team and the relationship he has with his teammates and how important he was going to be, but you can't dwell on the what ifs. You got to be like, okay, Mason's not here. Who's stepping up? Other guys have to seize the opportunity. And as a coaching staff, you have to have that mentality because if you keep just kind of sulking about one of your stars being out with an injury, it's going to have a negative impact on the entire team. He also talked about communication in the secondary communication with the safeties. Well, I just think overall, you know, you can communicate, but it's uh, it's still about getting everybody to do their jobs as well. So, you know, sometimes, you know, communication is one thing, but maybe wanting to do a little too much. So, you know, again, we spent a, m most of this week really drilling down on making sure that those guys in the back end are doing a great job of visually looking at each other and acknowledging kind of like I, I know it's a bad analogy but you know there's always some kind of validation of um, a squeeze play right by the batter and the runner we needed some kind of validation they know what the coverage is and, and and what the play is so definitely plenty of things for LSU to work on moving forward they're going to be taking on Southern inside Tiger Stadium first time ever that's going to be tomorrow night. Of course, we'll have the game for you. Kickoff 6.30. Pre-game begins at 4.30. You can listen to it live right here on the game. And 
you know what? It's sold out. It's a historic meeting. It's going to be a big deal. We got a pair of tickets to give away. Oh, I didn't stutter. We got a pair of tickets to give away. We're going to make it easy for you. We got a trivia question. We will unveil that next hour. Next hour. We will have a trivia question for you to score a pair of tickets to see LSU take on Southern, the historic matchup, first time the schools in Baton Rouge have faced off on the gridiron. The game is sold out. There's an electricity, a buzz about this matchup. You want to be there? I got two tickets for you. I got a pair. I want to give them away. I want those to be yours. We're going to give those away next hour here on RP3 and Company. Right now, though, I got to let you know about our friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they offer the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana. And listen up. They appreciate the opportunity to earn your business, and trust me, earn it they will. As you've heard me tell you before, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, and your man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free showers. That's right. No muss, no fuss, and no odor. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or simply stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up our number one talking a little McNeese football, hearing from Coach Gary Golf. That's coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. McNeese Cowboys, they'll make the short trip over to Houston to take on the Rice Owls on Saturday. Fully expect maybe a few thousand folks from the Lake Charles area to make the trip over. There's a lot of buzz about this game, about going over. Heading into McNeese's first game at home under the lights the following week. It's a good time. Lots Lots of good things happening in Lake Charles. And Coach Gary Goff talked about many of those. And his quarterback. Look, it was not the best game for Knox Kadem. He struggled. Had a couple turnovers. Didn't play to his potential. They brought him in from Virginia Tech for a reason. And Coach Gary Goff says, you know what? Knox is going to be a better quarterback than the one that we all saw in week one. Knox had the better week, plain and simple, last week. You, you know, we uh, fully anticipated, you know, Cam being the starter. And uh, Knox, you know, really did a good job last week. And uh, we, we felt confident in, in him, you know, making some right decisions and protecting the football. You know, I, I think Cam still has the ability to be the starter. Where He's going to have a package, and hopefully we can continue to expand his package. I was very impressed with Knox during the game. He had really good poise. He was very calm. He had two crucial 
mistakes. Um, and, and I think some of that's just to uh, you know, being young. Both those young men are only sophomores, you know. You know, but I, I um, would anticipate you know us moving forward being a little bit like Montana State was in, until really somebody really really pulls away with that job because Cam brings something to the table. You saw him with that real nice you know run he had there and. Uh, he delivered a strike, you know, on, on uh, one of his pass attempts right there. But, uh, you know, right now, Knox just is managing the game very well for us so far. Coach Gary Goff also gave his thoughts on the challenges that Rice, even though they've been struggling, they're still an FBS team and they still have some talent on this roster. And he, he talked about just how good of a team they are. Rice is a good team. I'm going to tell you right now, their their entire defense is returning, you know, and so they're very, very talented on the defense side of the ball. You know, they played very well against Southern Cal if it wasn't for the, I think they had three pick sixes. You know, that, that'll destroy anybody right there, you know. Offensively, the quarterback, you know, Wiley Green is a good football player. I know he had an injury. I think he, he left that game early in the first half, I believe. Um, yeah, I know he's a game-time decision for us, so I, I'd anticipate him being back. It looks like on the film he hurt maybe his non-throwing arm. But um, th- they're not a bad football team. The, that staff's been there for four years, so they, they've got their recruits in there. Um, but, you know, they're, they're massive. I mean, in the trenches, the O-line and D-line are just massive. So, again, you know, very similar to our week one for us. we got to go play hard for four quarters and uh, not have those mistakes that we had last week and learn from them um, and, and strive to get better in all phases of the game. Their D-line is legit. They got a few guys, at least one guy, I do believe, I've been told, has potential to be an NFL draft prospect. And Golf further elaborated about just how good Rice's D-line is and the type of pressure they could bring on the McNeese offense. Their D-line is very impressive. Um, their D-line was, was taking care of Southern Cal quite quite easily in some instances I mean then the same thing on the offense you know their offense they they rushed uh their running back had six carries for 99 yards you know uh I know the Southern Cal staff we've spoke to them and they're like yeah they 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 were very effective running the ball on us and uh for whatever reason they got away from that you know so we've worked hard this week we understand we're probably going to get a lot of pressure from them from their defense they're they're probably going to test us early uh, up front and with our quarterback play so we understand that and then on the other side we think uh, offensively they're going to try to run the ball right at us you know and so defense has worked hard at trying to stop the run game. So um, it's probably no secret in what they're wanting to do, you know. Um, but I, I think what stood out to both us offensively and defensively were, were them in the trenches. They're, they're really big and physical. Big and physical, so there will be a challenge for McNeese. But there seems to be some excitement about them heading over to Rice this weekend. That's going to do it for our number one here on RP3 and Company. Hour number two, we'll kick it off with James Yasko talking all things Strohs. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Houston Astros, despite Jordan Alvarez his power decreasing, his ability to be able to use his wrist to get hits decreasing. They still find a way. 
took two or three from the Texas Rangers. It was hard-fought series, but they got the job done. Now they turn their attention to the Halos, the fighting MVPs, as we like to call them around here, a team that has generational talent, yet they're so valuable, those players, they can't make their team have a winning record or get to the playoffs. I don't, maybe I have a different definition of what's valuable than others. To break it all down about those Houston Astros is a man who was absolutely devastated by the news yesterday that came out around the world. And of course, I'm talking about the reviews for the new Pinocchio movie on Disney+. Plus. It's James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast. Good morning. How are you? I am very well. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing great, bud. So um so let me let me realistically ask you this. Because Alvarez does look like a shell of himself. And we've talked about this before that it sure does feel like he needs surgery and they're just holding it off because they're in the middle of a season, they're trying to chase down a World Series title. How do you think they need to use the big fella because he is has not been himself for going on three months? Well, yeah, they, yeah, you know, you're right, and but it's also sort of encouraging. He did hit a couple of balls the other night, uh, like 110, 111, off the off the bat. So you know, there, it seems as though he he can be effective. He can still be effective in really limited situations. The problem is that it's so close to the postseason there's no way they can get the surgery now um and i think we said this last week that a 60 percent jordan alvarez is better than a 100 percent mauricio dubon so i think they just have to manage it and and just sort of just kind of hope for the, i mean at this point you just hope for the best so you hope for the best so you're primarily going to be using him at dh here and yep. just hope that you give him time off and that he'll be better. Who can step up and fill the void of that power in the lineup? Uh, I mean, uh. I, <laughs> uh, Chaz McCormick. Oh, yeah. um, um, stop! Stop right now! Stop right now! <laughs> just stop it's, yourself. It's good. It's good. It's good that Bregman Bregman is officially back. So, so that is you know that that helps uh Altuve is is it's like 2019 Jose Altuve again um you know Gurriel's kind of sort of heating up a little bit and then Jeremy Pena's had a had a good week or 10 days it, I, I don't know uh I didn't expect the struggle against the Rangers kind of the way that the way that it happened but but you still took two or three you just kind of do what you have to do to get to October and hope everyone's a, a little bit better by then you hope things get better. You're right about Bregman returning to form. Pena getting a little bit better. Altuve is playing at a nice a nice clip, obviously. This team, though, even when healthy here of late, they struggle to score runs. And, and this happens yeah. during a long baseball season, but this has happened for long stretches throughout this season, and they've always found a way because of stellar pitching that, hey, the offense is only going to get you two, three runs. That should be enough with this pitching staff. But as someone who was an Atlanta Braves fan my entire life and remembers the mid-'90s teams having the best pitching staff in the Major League Baseball and not having anything to show for it, 
Are you concerned at all about the run support? Yes. I mean, I, I think you have to be. Um, you know, it's, it's you know, it, it's it's something like four of their last ten games, they've scored two or fewer runs. or It's, it's something stupid like that. Uh, certainly not the problem we thought we'd be having uh, back in back in March or April. But there is an element that, that sometimes the Astros do this. You know, where we, we sort of refer to them as the Augustros, that they, they've suddenly inexplicably – you know, the other night they went one for 11 with runners in scoring position. You know, that's that's ridiculous for a team that hits for average the way that the Astros do. So, but yeah, I mean, of course it's a concern. Uh, you know, October is a bad a bad week to have a bad week. And, and you can get bounced with the quickness like that. What do you make of what you're seeing out of how Dusty Baker is managing this team, in particular with the lineup. At first, there seemed to be some friction about using Mancini, about using some of the other guys. That is seemingly kind of, kind of, I don't know, maybe Dusty's had his hand forced because of Alvarez being banged up. But how do you make how Dusty's implemented the new guys now that we're a couple months in since the trade deadline? It's a really popular thing to bust on the lineup uh, and and Dusty Baker, how how he how he fills up the line, fills out the lineup card, um, you know, with the exception of hitting, you know, Dubon in the in the leadoff spot, which I think is inexcusable. Uh, it, it's it's kind of hard. I have a hard time second guessing a guy that has won more baseball games as a manager than I have watched in my entire life. Uh, and so at some point, you know, you just sort of kind of sit back and look at the overall record and look at the overall job that he's done since he's been here. And you're like, okay, I guess we're just going to try to get through today and, and, and see what happens tomorrow. So I, I, I understand it's popular. Uh, it's easy to do, you know, from, from a keyboard or from behind your phone or whatever. But, but it's, at some point, you just kind of have to think, all right, maybe this dude knows what he's doing because he's been doing it forever. And you, you've never been critical of how the lineup is made by Dusty Baker either. So, I mean, no, 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 no. no. I, 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 I would never. <laughs> We're talking with James Yasko, a man who says, I can do radio interviews while getting my steps in. He's the co-host of the Lima Time Time <laughs> podcast and a contributor to the Houston Chronicle. He joins am, us here. My goal was to be at work before this started, and then, like, like a morning happened. Uh, and so I'm actually – I'm walking to work right now. Like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be – I'll, I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> we appreciate you squeezing us in, brother, as always. Um, I don't know how I can how I can wake up at four forty five in the morning and still be late. Like how is that how is that possible? Uh, like, what, uh, what was I what was I doing? Hannah five names and yours truly uh understand exactly where you're coming from and, and can tell you it is a thing, a real thing, a real struggle all the time. All right, let's talk about the young fellows that got called up. Uh, we're supposed to be getting another start from Brown coming up this weekend, correct? Or um, against uh, against the Angels while Verlander is still on the mend. Um, what do you expect to see from the pitching staff now that Brown is seemingly part of it, at least for this part of the season? So here's here's what I really hope for Hunter Brown's sake, because because it's lined up to where this could be an absolute crazy. Crazy few days for Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown is from Detroit, and it is within the realm of possibility that if, if they wait until Monday for Brown to make his next start, that it will be at whatever Detroit calls their stadium. It's, so it's, it it's, a, it's no longer Comerica Park? 
I, I don't know. I, I, I was about to say Tiger Stadium, and I'm like, well, that's 40 years old. Um, <laughs> so what, whatever they call it, uh, there's a real possibility that he could, he could make that start, like, in front of his, like, family and friends. And he grew up there, went to college there. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, but as far as, like, what do you want to see out of Hunter Brown, you want to see exactly what you saw the other day. Uh, and and just scattering hits, no little to no damage, and and yeah, it's the Rangers, but but whatever. I mean, that was a that was a very solid major league debut. Very solid debut. They're going to utilize him to eat up innings, especially with Verlander uh, on the mend. Are you more intrigued to see what Brown does in his second start or what Lance McCullers is going to do in another start? Because he seemingly is getting back to form, you know, a little bit every time. Yeah, no, I mean, I I mean, they're both. I think both pieces, Brown and McCullers, are going to be extremely important in October, but in but in very different roles. I thought Brown was going to come up and um, and and come out of the bullpen just because of the number of innings he's already thrown. Uh, it's already a career high, you know, and, and, you know, they don't need another starter in a, in a playoff rotation. So, um, you know, I, I think, I still think if, if the next couple of weeks go really well for Hunter Brown, or at least to anywhere close to how well they went, you know, what was it Wednesday? Um, then, <clears throat> then he's going to, he's going to factor in and play a, play a pretty major role in October in the bullpen though. Defense has been sloppy of late especially in the Rangers series could have gone a completely different way. What do you make of the defense in particular behind the pitching staff? I think it's, it's just, I mean, three errors in a game, you know, that's, that's pretty rare. I think everyone, I think it's a little bit sloppy because I mean, what do you, what do you have to prove against the Rangers in September at home? Uh, I think I think it's been a long season. I think everyone's kind of tired, and I, I just think that the sloppiness comes out of that. Uh, not that anyone's got the yips or anyone's kind of forgotten how to feel. I just I just think that yeah, it's just one of those. Th- it's not fun, uh, but but it's just one of those things. But l- let me follow up on that because you, you've mentioned that a few times, and I, I agree with you. Long season, it's been condensed, less days off. The Strohs at times have looked tired, specifically in August. You know, you're coming down the stretch run here. I get all that. But you have to eventually turn that around and overcome that, right? Because everyone has the same schedule as pretty much you do. Everyone's tired. Everyone's dealing with injuries. Everyone's trying to make a a push to the postseason. So you eventually have to kind of be like, okay, yeah, we got to suck it up. This kind of sucks, but we have to get the job done if we want to hang a banner. Right. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's probably been addressed already. Um, you know, you've got you've got a lot of guys in that clubhouse that are used to playing really long seasons, uh, you know, a, a few weeks longer than than most most Major League Baseball teams. And so I'm, I'm sure it's been addressed. And, you know, I don't know that they're magically going to have a perfect fielding percentage from here on out. But but I, I do think it, it will get better. If you had to pick something that's still possibly a chink in the armor, a weak link, if you will, James, for this team what is it right now as it stands on september 9th it's the same it's the same thing that it's been you know since like 2018 you know it's that situational hitting you know can you can you get can you get the hit that drives in two runs uh and you know in the first or the second inning and and sort of puts puts the other team on their heels 
um you know there's just I, I know it's baseball but but it seems like we the the hitting with runners in scoring position has been has been a problem you know for for a few years now and and so you know it's just that we know they can do it can they do it when they really need to do it that's that's the i think the the biggest question for me as we as we wrap it up We'll wrap it up with this, brother. By the way, shout out to you putting in your code there for uh, at school. Um, yeah, I, I don't need the I don't need the cops coming again. Again, <laughs> I, I, that was not a, that was not a mistake. Again. Hey, there's some long-haired, bearded fellow around the school. Not not <laughs> not, not necessarily. Uh, you know, you kind of you do kind of fit a little bit of a profile there. But okay, um, yeah, I, I, explain this to me in all seriousness. How can Minute Maid Park and the people that run it, which I assume is the Astros? How can they allow to have the concerts there that absolutely destroy and wreck the field for their team that's trying to win a World Series championship? Explain this to me. Uh, there's no, there is no explanation. Uh, that is, it was absolutely preposterous. You know, and and just the short side. I understand. You know, you're coming out of COVID and and you're you're trying to increase revenue and you know you're going to use that. Uh, presumably to to re-sign Michael Brantley in the offseason. I don't know. But, you know, the, there's like an Elton John concert that is scheduled for what would be game six of the World Series. Like, what, what are we freaking doing here? Like, this is not – it's not like you didn't – know. it's not like it's 2015 and they had that Taylor Swift concert and, never, and then suddenly, like, the Astros were good for the first time in 10 years and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, didn't really think playoffs were possible. Like, we never – haven't played in October in 10 years. So – it's just remarkably short-sighted uh, and and extremely stupid. But you know, that's that's the Astros. <laughs> he says that's the Astros. <laughs> oh my goodness, brother! I always appreciate your time and your candor. Thank you for uh, taking time to talk to us. And look, you know what? I feel like you should be thanking us because we gave you the opportunity to get a good bit of exercise. You know, you, you you practice your walking to school, and now you're geared up. You got the, the blood pumping, and you're ready to mold young minds on a day where I'm sure people are still devastated by an individual who was simply just a figurehead and uh, really had no impact on our lives, but yet we're obsessed about them. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, you're ready to do that today. Yeah, if you got up at 2.30 in the morning to watch the royal wedding, you are absolutely devastated right now. <laughs> If 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 you did, if you were like screw, screw that I'm going I'm staying going to sleep, uh, then you're like oh yeah no that's a watching a coronation would be cool like I, I don't know it's it's every every white woman uh, that I work with is absolutely devastated right now I'm like <laughs> like I was I was born in England like if anyone should be upset it's me and I'm like oh yeah no okay. yeah not not she not had, really she had, she, that, she had a good run yeah, a, she, she was run. 96 she had a good run like uh, you know let, let's be honest I remember when. Princess Die died, and you know everyone was beside themselves. You know what I did that day, Yasko? I'll tell you, I decided I was like, you know what? I'm tired of all this this coverage. I went to the movies and watched a Steven Seagal movie, the one where he's like the EPA agent in Kentucky with Marge Stanger. Oh. Like, uh. <laughs> Hey, if if we have a second, I have a movie story for you. Yes. If we have, if we have to, if we no, have to no, no. That, then- I'll make I'll make the time for you, brother. So last week, I, I casually mentioned to my wife that I'd, I'd never seen Jaws. And and she was shook. Like, she was like, hey, what? 20 years? 
I know. She's like, you th- you've been with someone for like 20 years and you think you know them. Then they drop that they've never seen Jaws. And now you have to question everything. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we're, we can go. And so they, last Saturday was National Cinema Day. Yes, and- I tried to go to the cinema and try to take my daughter for like a daddy-daughter day. And all the movies that we wanted to see were sold out. So we couldn't yeah, go. So yeah. That wasn't the case here. And so there was they're showing Jaws. And so three nine dollars here we go my wife my daughter and i were going to go see jaws well i did not realize that it was it was jaws in 3d and and so you know we get there we're sitting like third row because it, it was pretty full but you know three seats together it had we were on the third row and at the part where the severed head pops out of ben gardner's boat when i tell you i screamed I screamed in, a, in such a manner that my it made my daughter cry. And everybody in the theater thought it was my daughter that screamed. Like, I screamed literally like a 10-year-old girl. <laughs> That's amazing. That is Good movie. A- absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. By the way, the Steven Seagal movie that I watched the day that Princess Di died uh, was Fire Down Below. Uh, Chris Christopherson was like the casino baron bad guy in it. And uh, Seagal uh, did all of his great martial arts and used two by fours as well. <laughs> it is phenomenal, by the way. Harry Dean Stan is in it making a guest appearance. You're like, oh, Harry needs a paycheck. Brother, it's always a privilege to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy your weekend, bud, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, have a good one. James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast. Chef's kiss. My man screamed like a girl at Jaws. <laughs> I ain't never seen Jaws. How's that possible? We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to unveil the trivia question for you to win tickets to see the sold-out game between the Southern Jaguars and the LSU Tigers. That's coming up next. Pay attention. You want to score tickets to the sold-out game? Now is your chance here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team, I got one college team, I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for, that's who I support, period. Call me old-fashioned. The end. Call me old-fashioned, that's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, when I was at Central Michigan, I went up in a, um, a lift to urge the students to come into the stadium um, in pregame. And I, I, uh, I said, we'll play up tempo. You know, we'll put points on the board. Come on into the stadium. And they kept partying in the parking lot they didn't listen until we put up a lot of points and then they started coming in so I've been on this full cycle and that's why it's going to be exciting to be in a home stadium like this where you know it is obviously partisan uh, it is LSU and i um, pretty excited about it LSU head coach Brian Kelly he'll be making his debut inside Tiger Stadium for the first time on Saturday night as LSU takes on Southern the game is sold out Special events are being planned with the bands. All types of tailgating is going to be taking part. It is going to be an event. Baton Rouge is going to be shut down. And tickets are sold out. You can't buy them. 
But guess what? You can win your pair right now. We have a pair of tickets for tomorrow night's game between the Southern Jaguars, the LSU Tigers, the historic first meeting between the two programs there in Baton Rouge. It's sold out. We have a pair of tickets to give you. This is how you're going to win them. You're going to have to direct message us on our Facebook page or on Twitter. Facebook or Twitter. I'm about to unveil a trivia question. The first person to answer it correctly by DMing us, as the kids like to say, that's a proper term, sending us a message on Facebook or on Twitter, a direct message with the correct answer. Hannah Five Names is going to reach out to you, going to put you into the system. You will win a pair of tickets for tomorrow's LSU game. You got to have them picked up, though. Disclaimer, you got to come to the offices of Delta Media here in Upper Lafayette. You got to come pick them up before four today, though. No one's going to be at the office tomorrow, in the morning, or in the afternoon. There's going to be none of that. If you win these tickets, you have to pick them up by 4 o'clock today. No exceptions. Just remember that. So if you don't get off at work until 5 o'clock, can't help you. You got to come pick up your tickets before 4 o'clock today. Once again, direct message your answer to the game on Facebook or on Twitter to win a pair of tickets to tomorrow night's game between LSU and Southern. It's sold out. Here is your trivia question. It's an easy one. Who holds the record for most rushing yards in a career and for most rushing touchdowns in a career at LSU? Once again, who holds the record for most rushing yards and who holds the record for most rushing touchdowns? It's the same player in LSU football history. First person to answer correctly by DMing us on Facebook or Twitter is going to win a pair of tickets to tomorrow's game between Southern and LSU. Got to make sure to pick up those tickets, though, today by 4 o'clock. We got to take a timeout. When we come back here, we'll talk more about the LSU-Southern historic matchup. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, will be joining us live Next, right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Somebody has won tickets to tomorrow night's game inside Tiger Stadium. We're going to be verifying the information. We asked you a trivia question, and the first person to message us with the correct answer is going to win a pair of tickets to the sold-out game between Southern and LSU. We're verifying that as we speak, and we'll, we, we will announce the winner before we take our next time out here on RP3 and Company. Speaking of the game, it's a historic moment. Southern LSU going to be playing football. It's never happened before. It's one of those kind of weird things that just never took place. And now they're rectifying it Saturday night inside Tiger Stadium. There's going to be a special event done with the bands. 
it's going to be electric there in Death Valley. To talk about the game this week and also to share his thoughts on what he saw in the opener on Sunday inside the Superdome is our good friend, the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair. Chris, good morning to you, brother. How are you, bud? I'm good, Raymond. Hope you're doing well. Doing well, man. There seems to be a big buzz about this game. That's typically not the case when it comes to playing an FCS opponent, but this one seems special. This one seems unique. What does it feel like over there in Baton Rouge right now? Yeah, it's, uh, I think you chose the, the correct word. It's kind of an electric feel uh, really all week. I mean, everywhere you go, people want to talk about the game on Saturday, and you're right. You know, I've spent uh, a number of years as the FCS opponent going to uh, a Power 5 team um, and now having seven years, uh, you know, being a Power 5 team who has faced an FCS team. I've never seen uh, the excitement uh, for this matchup. But, again, I mean, you're talking about two programs. Uh, LSU's been playing football well over a century, Southern University well over a century, uh, and yet they've never played before, and this will be the first time in 2022. So, I mean, that alone makes it pretty special and the fact that southern now i believe has played every division one team in the state of louisiana and when they play lsu saturday that will be uh that will be a complete list i think the only team they have not played football is louisiana college um so i mean you, you got the band's going to put together a show together which which ought to be spectacular at halftime i don't know how many people are actually even going to leave their seats um and and just the tailgating uh, I, I'm looking forward to getting over there early tomorrow um, just to take it all in. Um, so it's, you know, they're expecting, I think LSU, I mean, we're expecting somewhere around 200,000 people, you know, in the vicinity of campus and, and Tiger Stadium. So, um, you know, as you said, that, that doesn't happen much in these kind of matchups. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the game itself lives up to the hype. But at the end of the day, I think it's a win-win for everybody in Baton Rouge and really a celebration of college football uh, in the capital city. You're exactly correct, Chris. And and the thing that stands out to me is that this is just great for Baton Rouge, but great for Louisiana. And to to have this happen, and look, I know we're trending in a direction of more uh, more conference games, less games, uh, money games, so to speak, for FCS opponents. And I know a lot of people don't like them, but for me, it, it, it's great for the state of Louisiana. And Brian Kelly spoke about this earlier this week where he talked about that and talked about how great it is that they're doing this and that if he had a preference, he would make sure that those games are kept with in-state opponents, right? You're talking your Southerns, your Gramblings, your McNeese States, your Nichols, your Southeasterns. It means something to those programs. It means something to the state. And, oh, oh by the way, you keep the money inside the state of Louisiana, too. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a win-win-win for everybody involved, and you're right. I mean, I think the, the the more that we have college football change and the more we push towards these super conferences and the desire for television to lay out $100 million, $1 billion. And, uh, I mean, once you start getting into those numbers, somebody's going to demand that, that you have top-tier matchups, uh, Power 5 versus Power 5. So I think you're right. I think, unfortunately, that's where we're headed. But until that day happens, uh, without question, LSU should schedule teams within this state because, it, again, it takes care of, of those institutions, gives them a stage to show their football program, 
But more importantly, and Southern's going to take uh, well over $700,000, which, you know, let's face it, they certainly, any school at that level uh, can use that extra money that, that not only certainly benefits the football program, but benefits all of their student athletes and all of their programs. So, uh, I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with Coach Brian Kelly. It's just unfortunate. I don't know how many more years we'll be able to do that. Chris, let's go back to Sunday inside the Caesar Superdome. You and I chatted a little bit before the the start of the game. What's the big thing now that a couple of days has passed and you've had time to reflect and kind of study on it? What are the things that really kind of stand out to you that you were surprised about that happened in the game against the Seminoles? I was really surprised defensively that the front seven were not more active for LSU. And again, I know Mason Smith went down early. Uh, eventually, you lose Ali Gay to the targeting call. And I know for a fact um, that that kind of threw the rotation off a little bit. You couldn't be as fresh. You couldn't move in as many guys and rotate them as like, like they were planning to do. And, of course, that's going to affect the team not only this past Sunday, but for the rest of the year with Mason Smith being gone, unfortunately. Uh, but I think tackling as well, just overall. But, you know, the leading tacklers – for LSU were, were in the secondary. Um, and, again, those guys played well at times. But typically, if you don't see linebackers making uh, near the top in total tackles, uh, something's going on with your front seven. And there were plenty of opportunities. Again, uh, I'll give uh, you know the quarterback for Florida State a, a lot of credit. He was very elusive. Um, but there were, I don't know, numerous times there was an opportunity for tackles for loss opportunities for sacks and just didn't wrap up and even in some of the short yardage situations where they converted third downs Raymond you know the pass would be dropped for you know into the flat for a four-yard gain and then you had LSU defenders bouncing off the ball carrier there was no arm there was no wrapping up there was no getting them at the shoulders it was just I'm going to try to hit them and knock them down like a pinball Um, that was a little bit surprising offensively I knew there was going to be question marks with the offensive line. I did not see this team being a team that would simply have a quarterback that would drop five steps, and, you know, go through his progressions and look off three receivers. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I was surprised at how much early, um, again, in a three-step drop, that there was just, you know, a quick bail um, by Jaden Daniels. Some of that was because he had to run for his life uh, because they were on him immediately. Some of it, I think, as the game went on, you could see that maybe he, he made the decision, wasn't patient enough. Um, but again, they were able to improve that uh, at the end of the third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter. Again, three-step drop, but getting him moving the pocket a little bit and, and not being so quick to, to drop down and run. So those two things, I think, stood out to me because I have to believe, and I know because I've been to practice, I've been to scrimmages, that that wasn't by design. Um, so, again, I, I don't know how much of it was scheme, how much of it was first game and maybe players making quick decisions. Uh, but we saw in the final 13, 14 minutes of that game, you know, utilizing all the weapons at his disposal, what this LSU offense can look like. We're talking with Chris Blair, the longtime voice of the LSU Tigers. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. You know, the other thing that stood out to me, and, and it got a lot of – pub Chris and, and we know how these things work Kayshawn Boutte did not have a good game and there's been a lot of talk a lot of things written about him during the offseason a lot of chatter I get all that 
He got emotionally upset, and Jane Daniels, which I loved, by the way, even though he's the new guy, you know, kind of kind of wrapped him up and said, hey, man, we got this. Don't worry about this and everything like that. He didn't have a great game. I guess my question is, does Kayshawn Butte need to ball out every week for this team to have a chance to win games? I don't know that he needs to ball out every week. I mean, I, I think he's got to be involved. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he's he's one of the top receivers in, in all of college football. So to simply say, well, there's this week we don't even need to throw it to him. And if he plays great, I mean, he, he's got to be out there and he's got to make plays and he's got to be top of mind for whoever's taking snaps in this offense. But at the end of the day, you know, Keishon Booty is, is responsible for his brand, and we've heard a lot about his brand. We heard a lot about his brand at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. heard a lot about the brand in the offseason. We heard a lot about it this summer. Well, the brand has to perform. And, again, uh, it's very uncharacteristic for a couple of drops. Um, but, you know, to, to simply, you know, hang your head is, is probably not good for LSU, obviously, number one. But it's not good for the Keishon Booty brand. Um, you know, and I think that's probably the conversations that were being, you know, had this week about how, look, we're going to, you're going to be involved in this offense, but when you drop a pass, Hey, everybody's going to be bummed, but you got to come back out and and deliver. You can't let that shake you because not only are fans watching what you do, but Oh yeah, the NFL scouts in front offices are going to be watching what you do and being a good teammate, no matter how good you are. Um, is is a pretty big requirement uh, for a successful career in the NFL. There are exceptions, I know, uh, but I think overall, I think I think it's a it's a two way street. LSU's got to have him involved, but he's got to be locked in, um, and he has to remember that you know the NIL money that he's making now puts him in a different category. I'm not saying it's fair, but it is what it is. Everybody knows that there has been uh, a reason you've been able to garner this type of NIL. Uh, and the reason that is is that you go out and perform. Um, so, again, I think there's responsibility on both. And I, I would be surprised, again, if he's not a big part of the offense. And, look, Malik Neighbors had a had a, a horrible night. He'd be the first to tell you, two muff punts, uh, which were, you know, devastating, took possessions away uh, in a game where you desperately needed, you know, possessions. But to that young man's credit and to the coaching staff that came back on offense as receiver, his number one day job, and they went right back to him. He's able to make a couple of catches and pick up some yards. And again, I, I, I don't want to make too much of it. Uh, I know the optics weren't good, um, but we'll see what it looks like. I imagine he'll be utilized. That is Kayshawn Boosie early and often coming up tomorrow night. And and the thing that I took away from that, and I know LSU fan is disappointed, Chris, and I get that. I liked what I saw and heard from Jaden Daniels, and, and and the reason why is him. He's the quarterback, which means that he's the leader or one of the leaders, and he steps up and takes care of Kayshawn on the sideline, and he helps mount the comeback, and he keeps throwing to Malik neighbors, even though Malik had the two muff punts. The young man's upset about it. What does he do? The veteran quarterback says, I got this. We're going to throw it to him. We're going to take care of him and help his confidence still be there. I like those leadership qualities. If I'm an LSU fan, I know you're disappointed, but you got to like the guttiness and the leadership that you saw from your new starting quarterback? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think, you know, I mentioned to somebody at the Dome at halftime, you know, LSU had played 
not very well in the first half and, you know, miraculously only down seven to three. Uh, but I told somebody, hey, it's nice to see what Jaden Daniels can do with the football in his hands. Unfortunately, a lot of that in the first half wasn't by design. It was out of sheer scrambling. Uh, but again, some of that's on the offensive line. Some of that, I think, is in scheme. And then a lot of it, I think, was too many quick decisions by Jaden. And again, it's easy for me to say that sitting high up in the rafters and there's not four or five 250, 300-pound individuals trying to put me into the turf. But I think as the game wore on, he realized that I can't do this all on my own. I mean, he accounted for 90% of the offense as far as total yards. I can't do all this on my own. I've got some teammates around me. And I think he took a little extra time in the pocket. But from a leadership standpoint, all of the things you talked about, that's a guy you want at QB1. And I think that's why on Tuesday in Coach Kelly's press conference, you know, the tone or at least the wording was different. We've heard a lot about 1A and 1B. And on Tuesday, it was clear Brian Kelly said, Jane Daniels is our QB1 as of right now. Wrapping up our conversation with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair joins us here once again. LSU taking on Southern. That's a sold-out ball game, an historic game between the two programs. That'll be tomorrow night inside Death Valley. But this game should favor LSU, and they should be able to win this game. But, you know, the thing that I want to see, Chris, from my perspective is, are we going to go to more of an up-tempo offense like we saw there in the second half where the offense started to find something? They had Daniels get the ball out quicker and they were able to move the ball and move the chains, could we see more of that Saturday night inside Death Valley and see more of that moving forward this season? I, you know, Raymond, I'd be stunned if we don't. I mean, it's one thing that Coach Kelly hammered uh, on Tuesday, and he and I talked about it last night on his weekly radio show, getting off to a quick start, having a sense of urgency. I, I think that's code for not just flat coming out and saying we're going to run that tempo. What you saw at the end of the game, we're going to start with that on Saturday. So I think that's what we'll see. Now, eventually, as these games tend to do, um, the depth, I think, will start to take hold, and then I don't think we're going to see tempo for the entire contest. But I think to get it going, to get that confidence early for you know Jaden Daniels, I think they go with right what we saw towards the end of the game at Florida State. So that's that's my expectation. And look, hey, Southern, they'll be happy to do that as well. I mean, they won 86 to nothing over Florida <laughs> Memorial, yeah. which I'm told is a college football team, not a hospital. And they basically snap the ball to Southern, play ins, they line up and snap it again. So there is absolutely no huddle whatsoever. So I think both teams are going to try to move it fast and keep their foot on the gas uh, to start the game. So, uh, I think there's going to be opportunities for LSU in, in pass defense to really get a lot of work. Um, and, you know, again, we'll see a little more pressure, I think, on the secondary in the passing defense than maybe we saw on Sunday night, which is probably a good warm-up, if nothing else, for what you're going to get in week number three uh, when the Pirate rolls down from Starkville and he's going to be tossing the football around all night long. Chris? Appreciate your time, as always, brother. Have a great call and enjoy a historic game there inside Tiger Stadium. Appreciate your time, brother. Raymond, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. That's Chris Blair, voice of the LSU Tigers, joining us. And we have a winner. The answer to the trivia question, of course, was 
Kevin Falk, Karen Crow's very own, who has the most rushing yards in a career and the most rushing touchdowns in a career in LSU history. It's Kevin Falk, the first person to answer it correctly. Half a dozen of you guys messaged us with the correct answer, but the one that wins the pair tickets is the man that we call JPK the OD. James Kennedy is our winner. He has scored the pair of tickets to go see Southern take on LSU inside Death Valley tomorrow night. Congratulations to James for scoring those tickets. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two here on RP3 and Company. Next, you're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Update on the poll question of the day. We ask you, which top 25 matchup are you watching tomorrow on Saturday? Is it Tennessee at Pitt, Kentucky at Florida, Baylor at BYU, or is it all of them? Good weekend of college football action on tap, not to mention you got LSU Southern, UL Eastern Michigan, McNeese at Rice, and of course Alabama taking on Texas early in the morning. That's an 11 a.m. game. Right now, 75% of you say Kentucky at Florida is the top 25 matchup you're geared up for. 15% of you say all of them. 5% says Tennessee at Pitt, and another 5% say Baylor at BYU. Keep those votes coming. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout today's show. That's going to do it for hour number two here on RP3 and Company. Final hour of today's show and final hour of the week coming up right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. One more hour to go on this Friday edition of RP3 and Company, and one more hour to go for the week. I know it's sad. It began Monday while I was out of the office having to broadcast the show live from a hotel room. And we're going to start there because to start today's show with yours truly, the big, bald, and beautiful one, RP3, and the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I think there's an edginess to the producer extraordinaire. And I, I think I understand why. I think I understand why. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a Braves fan and she's a Mariners fan and our teams are playing this weekend. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're facing off in fantasy football and she wants to talk smack and she's got an edginess to her. She's been giving me the business all week. I think what really it boils down to, and we're going to air our dirty laundry, if you will, she's mad at me. She's mad at me. She's upset with your boy. And here's why. Not because she's not not going to be part of the birthday festivities tomorrow for my daughter who turns eight. She will be. And we'll tag team the Raging Cajun coverage for the station and for the website and for social media. That's what's going to happen. No, no, she's upset with me because I was out of the office again. 
That's what it boils down to. She can't get enough of hanging out with the big, bald, and beautiful one. So when I'm away, when I go to Atlanta for SEC media days, when I have to go to New Orleans for Sunbelt media days, when I take vacation to spend time with the family, when I have to go to Chicago for a conference, when I have to go cover a game, it's worn on her. It's a lot of me not being in the office not seeing the big, bald, and beautiful one live in person and not through a little screen on the computer. That's what's really happening here. I apologize. I'm sorry, Hannah. I'm sorry. I hope we can get through this and push through this. I think we can. I think you just need to listen to what our lovely uh, boss man, Mr. Chuck Wood, said, and we're going to change to the desk, and you can't leave again. <laughs> you're here for the rest of the year. Like, you're not allowed to leave anymore. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Raymond, here's the situation. Yeah, you're just going to sleep here at the studio. Yeah. Hmm? No more of your traveling shenanigans. There's really no road trips on the horizon except for one. Okay, and that's when UL plays at Southern Miss. We're coordinating that. That that will be uh, Kevin and I leaving on Thursday, driving over to the Berg, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, covering the Cajuns, taking on their old rival for the first time now in conference play, and we'll likely do our shows live from the hotel room that Friday. But that'll be the only one. Everything else, any other road trip, is going to be on the weekends. No vacation scheduled for your boy the rest of the way. Football season's here. High school football, college football, the NFL. So you're going to be seeing a lot of me. You're going to be seeing so much of me, you're going to be sick of me. Sick of me, I say. Okay. That's what I say. You say so. We'll see what happens. (laughs) What, that you're you're going to get sick of me or that I will find ways to not be in in the office? The second one. You'll find a way to not be here. You will find a way. Hey, I'm out there giving coverage. I'm out there representing the station. Okay? I'm out there trying to get us better. It's not one thing to be a Cadiana sports station or Southwest Louisiana sports station. I want us to be Louisiana's sports station. Heck, I want us to be the Southeastern United States sports station. Five names. Well, you should have just gotten done with the game in the Superdome and just drove back here, made it just in time for the show. I could have had donuts. It'd be fine. You realize how bad that would have been? (laughs) See, it's funny because I I would used to do that stuff when I was younger. I I remember a time going to the New Orleans Bowl. And this is when I lived in Alexandria. So imagine another hour and 10 minutes north, right? (laughs) Going down, getting off of working, going down to the New Orleans Bowl, that day, driving, going to the New Orleans Bowl, covering the New Orleans Bowl, partying in New Orleans afterwards, sleeping it off a little bit for about an hour and a half in the car, parked in the big parking lot out there by the river, and then driving back all the way to Alexandria and then working the next day on like two hours of sleep. Back in the day, I would do that stuff all the time. I would run on fumes, give me Mountain Dew Code Red and some cigarettes back in the day, and I was golden. I was golden. I'd stay up all night. I could I could run for days, no problem. I'm not that person anymore. First yeah. of all, I don't drink Mountain Dew anymore. I don't smoke cigarettes. I haven't, haven't had a cigarette since 2005, I do believe, is when I quit smoking. 
Getting pneumonia will do that to you, by the way, just to let you know. And now uh, on Tuesday, next Tuesday, you'll be 44. <laughs> yes. Be best friend of Julio Rodriguez. That's number 44. Oh, there it is. Hey, there it is. Hey, can I ask for my birthday for your Mariners not to take the series? I'll let you guys have a game, but not win the series. Because I really want to catch the Mets and destroy them because they're the New York Mets. I don't know about that. No? No. No? Uh-uh. Nuh-uh. Hey, my daughter's not listening because she's at school right now at Grand Coteau Elementary. Shout out to them. So I'm going to let you know what came in the mail this week. So the birthday party's tomorrow, obviously. Yes. And we're gearing up for it. She turns eight. We're going to have a great time. So when we were on vacation, and she's been exposed to it before, but when we were on vacation, all my we went to go see my brother in Tennessee. Then we went to go see one of my best friends in Indiana and another one of my best friends in Illinois. And all of them have boys, no girls. Right? So it was hanging out with boys the whole time. And my brother, my nephew, little Michael, he has Nerf guns. And they just played Nerf guns the, the, the two days that we were there. And then there was more Nerf guns at stop number two in Indiana. And then there was more Nerf guns at stop number three in Illinois. So we just didn't get a regular Nerf gun. We got something. My wife found it. Some type of hot pink with like rainbow color nerf gun and i'm pretty sure she's gonna go ballistic tomorrow when she opens that up you know before you said anything about nerf guns i went to the lightsaber because of the picture y'all took yes and what well, once again to recap boys that are in junior high my one of my best friends sean him and his wife stephanie they have two sons jack and jude they're in junior high they play baseball they're into sports they're athletic they're big boys literally the first day we were there they came up out of the basement and were like and they were just breathing heavily and they're like what's wrong with you and they're like hattie and they're like well i thought y'all were playing with the lightsabers and they're like yeah she's kind of whooping our butt <laughs> uh, the daughter's got a bit of an aggressive streak in her mm-hmm. i wonder who she gets that from I'll, I'll let you win your games against the Giants on Monday and Tuesday. That's your Oh, that's present. that's the gift. Thank yeah, you. The you Giants who are series. not in playoff, really playoff contention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you being kind. No problem. Doing me a solid there. So I'll try my best the rest of the year, five names, to, to be in the studio. Thank you. Okay. But if I'm not here and I have to be away and someone has to fill in, you do prefer the Jim Gozola. Yeah. I like hanging out with Jim. Yeah, the great Gozola. That's why I made sure I picked to go to McNeese for the 17th for their home opener. That's right. We will be there for the Cowboys taking on the Alcorn State Braves there at the hole. We'll be there tag teaming that coverage. It's a big deal for the folks in Lake Chuck because it's the first game under the lights since the Hurricanes. So they're going to be able to play nighttime football yet again in Lake Charles. Last year, the two seasons in the spring and the fall, they all had to be day games. They all had to be day games. So there's a lot of buzz and excitement, not only about what Gary Golf is doing over there, but just by the fact that they're getting back to normal, right? They're getting back to normal, and it's a big deal. And it's a big deal for that community, and it's a great deal for that community because they need it. They need this. 
And it's also a big deal because, hey, guess what? We got some news to unveil here on RP3 and company, okay? And it's about those Cowboys. Something we've been working on, and we finally got it done. And the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, we are proud to announce that the McNeese Coaches Show is going to be broadcast on our airwaves starting next week, just in time for the home opener against Alcorn State. It's going to be a one-hour radio call-in show featuring McNeese athletic coaches, administrators, and it will be hosted every Wednesday night from 6 to 7 o'clock by Lake Charles American Press reporter, columnist, and often fill-in guest host, Jim Gazzolo. It will air live for Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road in Lake Chuck every Wednesday night from 6 to 7. Maplewood Burgers and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center are serving as sponsors for the weekly show. We couldn't be happier to be doing this for our friends in Lake Charles and for the McNeese Cowboys. They haven't had a coaches show. This gives their fans an opportunity to call in to talk to their coaches. And this is going to run the entire athletic season. Football, basketball, baseball, softball. So we're excited about collaborating here and putting the spotlight on McNeese Athletics. So that's going to launch next Wednesday. Once again, the McNeese Coaches Show is going to be presented by Maplewood Burgers and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Going to be hosted by Jim Gazzolo, our good friend. And it's going to be every Wednesday night, 6 to 7 right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Whew. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But before we have to take our time out, just want to take a moment to remind you, hey, I know football season's here. You're gearing up your focus on that, but a lot of you are having to do those honeydews. A lot of you are still doing projects in your yard on your property. Look, here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So you or a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, minor landscaping, a gazebo, a rose bush. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. And look, there's a very simple way to avoid it before you dig. Call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, reminds you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, be time to get your fantasy football advice on for this first week of the NFL season with former RP3 and company fantasy football league champion Zach Miller. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. 
Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here in DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partners, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. It's time to help you out with your fantasy football lineup. The drafts are in the books. The season has officially kicked off last night with the Bills mollywhopping the defending Super Bowl champs. Whew, that was rough if you're a Rams fan. To break it all down for us is our fantasy football expert, Zach Miller, joins us here on RP3 and Company. Zach, how you doing? Man, it's football season. I'm doing great. All right, bud. Anything that happened last night, I know it's the first game, but did that change your perspective at all of how poorly the Rams looked on how to utilize them moving forward? I mean, is... We know Buffalo's a Super Bowl contender, but does that change your perspective at all fantasy-wise for the Rams? No, not necessarily, because I think um, even McVay said they just couldn't really get into a rhythm. The Bills do have a really good defense. I think the Rams lost some some key pieces in the offseason. They'll get it sorted out. I I wouldn't hit the panic button just yet. Uh, What do you tell Austin Eckler owners right now? Um starting with confidence you th- you still think so even Austin after Eckler's or cam makers no i'm sorry cam makers oh yeah now see that is a little more concerning i i kind of avoided him in pretty much every league because i believe that's going to be more of a 50 50 timeshare this season as it sorts itself out i don't think he's fully healthy just yet so if you drafted him thinking he was going to be a bell count yeah i'd, I'd definitely be concerned about that yeah, because I saw a lot of people being upset because he he was he was a non-factor in that game. By the way, I I had Matthew Stafford in my starting lineup and uh, he got me twelve points, and I, I guess I'm fortunate to have that. You're not concerned about him because he's coming off the elbow surgery. He was a turnover machine a year ago. He looked awful last night, Zach. He he did. he didn't look great. Uh, I still think that he's not going to play obviously as bad as he did last night all season. I still think he's going to be 
fantasy relevant. He's gonna he's gonna put up a lot of points, I suspect. But yeah, you you may be a little concerned about about that elbow. It doesn't look like he's exactly a hundred percent, does it? Okay, let's look forward to this week. It's the opening week of the season. Give me your must starts, and then somebody that you definitely are sitting at the quarterback position based on matchups for opening weekend of NFL. Okay, so somebody like Trey Lance, who wasn't drafted uh, in the top 10, uh, but has a lot of upside, uh, kind of like maybe a Jalen Hurts last year, because he has that rushing element to his game, um, and he gets a very favorable matchup against the Bears. If you drafted Trey Lance, hoping you know to get off to a hot start, you couldn't ask for a better matchup than the Bears. So somebody like Trey Lance, who's probably going to have a really solid week one, um, somebody that I'm not as concerned, I'm not as confident on, Derek Carr. I think he's going to have a great fantasy season. Uh, they put some weapons around him, but he notoriously does not play good against the Chargers. I think in their last eight meetings, he's only scored more than 15 and a half points one time. So it seems like they kind of have his number. So there may be better streaming options available if you drafted Derek Carr to be your starter. All right, bud, let's go from quarterback to running back. We already mentioned some of that. Some some guys drafted, you know, their guy pretty high, and then he barely played last night. Who are some running backs that are must-starts, and who are some of the big names that could be a surprising sit this week because of the matchup? So Damian Pierce, he entered camp as, you know, someone who might factor into the, the running game in Houston, but as camp went on, he solidified himself as the – the lead back so much so that they even cut Marlon Mack. Uh, so he's going to dominate touches there. Uh, Burkhead may cut into his receiving uh, work a little bit, but as for somebody who wasn't drafted as an RB1 or even an RB2, he's going to be uh, a workhorse as it appears right now. So I, I think he's a very solid start. You can just roll him out and just expect him to give a, work, a workmanlike effort for sure. Another name who was always – somebody you'd probably start in your lineup, Josh Jacobs. Uh, I'm fading him. I'm benching him, if at all possible. Uh, he's been solid throughout his season, even though maybe not spectacular. But I'm, I'm fading him right now because they drafted a running back. You have a new coaching staff. They have more receiving options available. I'm not on Jacobs this year at all. I'm benching him. If you, if you drafted him, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. The way you said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You make poor life decisions. Is how that tone. You, you, you <laughs> had a life together. Yeah, you, you, you had a bless that heart kind of tone to it there, bud. <laughs> um, what about the bonus question here on running backs? What about the situation in Baltimore? Their bell cow, the guy that they love a lot. Uh, he's banged up, right? And they don't know if he's even going to be able to go here in opening weekend. What do you make of the Baltimore Ravens running back situation? Yeah, that's another one of those situations. You really just want to stash him and wait until you see exactly how that's going to play out. Um, I, I think Mike Davis is probably going to get most of the touches this week, but that, that's the situation I'm, I'm avoiding at all costs. I've even drafted Dobbins in some leagues because I think at some point in the year he's going to be the starting running back there, but I'm not starting him until I've actually seen that play out. We're talking with Zach Miller, former RP3 and company fantasy football league champion. He's our fantasy expert. He joins us every Friday here on the show. All right, quarterback, running back. Let's go to wide receiver. Whew, a lot of big names, but some of them have some tough matchups. Obviously, you can't talk about Cooper Cup or Stephon Diggs. They already went last night. 
but who's remaining for the opening weekend that are must-starts for you at the wide receiver position, and who are guys that you should think twice about starting? Well, so all of those top 20 receivers, if you drafted one of those guys, you're, you're going to start them uh, regardless of matchup. Uh, but some guys that I think are good starts that were drafted much later on, somebody like a Brandon Ayuk, for the same reasons that I said Trey Lance is a good start. Brandon Ayuk has a very favorable matchup. Uh, Debo Samuels looks to be banged up. Kittle apparently just got dinged up uh, in practice this week. So Br- Brandon Ayuk right now, by default, is like the healthiest receiver. And he finished the year hot. Um, and he seems to have a really good connection with Trey Lance. So um, some, if you're looking for somebody else because maybe your starting wide receiver is banged up or not 100% uh, and you're looking for somebody further on down the line to start, I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a great week one. Um, somebody that I'm not so confident on, Lockett. Lockett had a career high over 1,100 yards last season, but that was with Russell Wilson. I do not feel confident about Geno or whoever the quarterback is at the time. Um, Drew Locke, baby. Drew Locke. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that feel, I'm, I'm, I'm also very concerned about DK's involvement, but at least DK showed that he could have some solid weeks with Geno at the helm last year. But uh, he, Geno is not good enough to have two fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Sure, Lockett may catch a long touchdown pass, but if I'm hedging my bets, I'm, I'm not feeling Lockett right now. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hear you there. Well, that's Seattle, man. Whew. They went from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Woof. Tight end, bud. It's always a high-value position, especially in fantasy. It can be the, it can be your game-changer of your matchup if your tight end goes off. Who are the guys that you're starting, and who are the guys that you're sitting this weekend? So I'm going to start Cole Komet. He has a very good connection with Fields. He also doesn't have a whole lot of competition for targets outside of Mooney who's also somebody I would start, by the way. Um, He's very solid. But outside of Mooney and Komet, they don't have much going for them. Um, So Fields, is he's going to look to the tight end position as a a check down safety valve just to keep the offense moving along. So he's going to get some targets. That's what you got to look for because outside of those top four or five tight ends, every other tight end is really touchdown dependent. They don't always get a lot of targets. But uh, Cole Komet seems to factor in heavily into there into their offensive mindset. A guy that I'm not high on, Hunter Henry, he finished as a tight end 10 last year, but that was mainly due to his nine touchdowns. Um, He only averaged four and a half targets a game and about three receptions a game. That's not great. So unless he scores a touchdown, he doesn't score that week. So I'm not really on Hunter Henry at all. Oh, all right, bud. We'll get you out out of here with this. Flex. It's always interesting in our RP3 and Company League. We have actually two flex spots in this in this season. Give me a guy that's a must start as a flex position, and give me someone that you're saying no, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh. go ahead and uh, ride the pine. Okay, so two guys that were drafted right around the same area, um, and if you're looking at the average draft position, Rashad Penny. I'm starting him uh, right now. The rookie that they drafted, he's still recovering. So until and Pete Carroll's always had pretty much a dominant running back. He's never been uh, a split the carries kind of coach. So Rashad Penny, as long as Walker is not healthy, we know he's going to get the ball. So I'm starting him. Uh, Tony Pollard, though, uh, he he's probably going to at some point overtake Zeke this year. Uh, also, he's pointing to it, but 
right now, Elliott is the lead back, and you're going up against a very stout Bucks run defense. Um, so I don't expect a good running effort from <laughs> either either of the Dallas Cowboys running backs, but I'm definitely sitting Pollard uh, right now. He, he's going to be startable at some point in the year, but I wouldn't roll out week one with him in my lineup. Brother, appreciate your time. As always, enjoy your weekend. Best of luck to you, my friend, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Good luck to you and happy early birthday. Thank you, bud. That's Zach Miller our fantasy football expert. we got to take a time out. When we return here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz. And we're going to talk with former Saints starting linebacker, Super Bowl champion, and now television radio analyst Scott Shanley will join us here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. The New Orleans Saints open up the season against one of their arch rivals, the Dirty Birds, those Atlanta Falcons. They're going to be traveling to the ATL on Sunday noon kickoff and to give us some insight about the rivalry and as well as about the matchup and this year's team as a man who was a starting linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, helped them win a Super Bowl championship. Scott Shanley joins us now. Scott, good morning to you, brother. It's been a while, my friend. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Good morning. All right, bud. Let's let's go back because you were exposed to the Falcons rivalry post-Katrina, obviously. And, you know, we all remember that great memorable game when Michael Vick and company came to the town, first game in the Dome. But when did you really get a sense of just what this rivalry meant to members of the Houdat Nation and to the, into the franchise? Yeah, I mean, we all know about the, the reopening of the Dome and the block punt by Steve Gleason. And, and as time went on, I think, the longer we were in New Orleans, we understood the gravity of that moment. We, we certainly understood it that night, but... I think a lot of us were kind of naive to just how big that game was just because it was against the Atlanta Falcons too because the one thing I learned the longer I was in New Orleans is is the dislike between cities. I mean, there there is no secret, there is no love lost between New Orleans residents and Atlanta residents. And I think as as time went on and the longer I was in New Orleans and able to be there for seven years, by the time I was there by the end, it was like you felt like, a resident of New Orleans, like you just hated Atlanta and you passed it down to all the young guys on the team. And it was just like, we do not lose to Atlanta. If there's anybody we, we don't ever play bad against it, we have to get up for Atlanta. So I think the rivalry actually, even though they were good, they had good players and it was always kind of us in Atlanta for, to see who's going to win the division. I really believe our hatred was fueled by, by the people of New Orleans and, and how we could sense from them that they didn't like Atlanta. And it, it kind of, it kind of helped, fuel us on Sundays against them who was the guy that played for the Falcons that you most wanted to sack or tackle or just lay a hard hit on well certainly when I first got there it was Michael Vick because everybody wanted wanted to tackle the fastest guy in in the NFL at that position and so you wanted to sack Vick but there's no question for me I think as time went on and year after year like I said able to be there for so many of those games it was Roddy White. I, I just, I still can't stand Roddy White. I don't know what he's doing today. I don't know where he lives. I just could not take Roddy White. He never shut up, and it seemed like our DBs took care of him pretty good. It was always 
Harry Douglas, for some reason, gave us problems. He always had big games against us. And it was probably because we were doubling Julio Jones and, and taking Roddy White out. But I just I could not stand Roddy White. <laughs> so many people, so many former players say the same thing. It's always Roddy White. He always just got on everyone's nerves and always just talks so much smack all the time. Uh, do you have a favorite moment going up against Roddy that you, you kind of just springs to mind? Well, I remember a lot of great tackles by our DBs, but Malcolm Jenkins, Malcolm and, and Roddy had their own little grudge match that was pretty interesting and very entertaining to watch. Watch it play out on the field, a lot of trash talk, but a lot of big hits by Malcolm. And then we'd always get a kick out of watching film, just the little extra things, the head turning, you could tell the trash talk. Malcolm, there was no love lost between Malcolm and Roddy, and that was always fun. Not one particular incident, but just the guy would never stop talking. Never. The, the production that he had in the league was pretty good, but the production he had against us never equated to the amount of, the amount of times his mouth was moving. <laughs> We're talking with Scott Shanley, former starting linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, member of the Super Bowl championship team. He joins us here in RP3 and company. You know, as you played in that, you know, game and against the the Falcons and they changed, you know, quarterbacks and they changed leadership during your tenure with the Saints as well. You know, that game, what's it like playing in Atlanta, though? I, I guess that's my, that's always my big question. I know how the dome sounds for the home games, but what is it like when you guys had to go to the ATL to take on the Falcons in their house? Uh, it, it sounds like like a home game <laughs> for us. We, we always had so many Saints fans there, and it was it was always fun to play in Atlanta because even when they were good, they would have a lot of people there, but man – the Houdat chant would rant. You could hear that every single time we played there. And then as we – most of the time we won there. So at the end of games, we were winning. All those Saints fans would kind of make their way down towards our sideline and they would be down in the lower bleachers. And you would get a feeling for just how many Saints fans either made the trip or how many Saints fans are, are living in Atlanta. So we always had a, a great following when we played in Atlanta. And, you know, I had never played in the, the new Mercedes-Benz place that they have. It doesn't look like it's – really filled up that much when I watch games but the Georgia Dome it was always hot in there it was always humid they always tried to find any advantage they could get uh when they played in there but um it was always fun to play there just because there had been Super Bowls there been other games played there but I think the my, my main memory of playing road games there was just how many fans we always had show up obviously you played against Vic you played against Roddy White let me ask you this one more about the rivalry from your perspective who was the best player that you faced? Like when you saw them and you're like, hey, I get to go toe-to-toe with this. This guy's going to push me. He's going to make me a better player, and I got to make sure I'm on my A game when we take on the Dirty Birds this week because this guy could hurt us. Yeah, and a number of guys come to mind because, you know, my entire time in Norms, not the entire time, really after 07 when they hired Smith, they they were a really good team when they drafted Matt Ryan. It was we knew that the Atlanta Falcons were gonna were gonna form a a good opponent every single year because they had a lot of really good players. But for me individually, there there's no question Tony Gonzalez. When they traded for Tony, I knew my job was gonna get harder covering the backs and covering the tight ends, covering a Hall of Fame tight end like that. He got the best out of me because I knew there was gonna be a ton of matchups and he won his fair share, I won my fair share. And you knew he was going to get a ton of targets. So it was always it was always a game where you knew you had to raise your level of play because they have a Hall of Fame tight end that they're going to target a lot. 
Let's talk about this year's team. And, and, and Scott, New Orleans, even at the end of Drew's tenure, this team had became a defensive team, right? The, the, the best part of their team had been its defense. It seemingly has gotten better with the additions they've had this, this offseason. Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, they get the kid out of Tennessee, uh, Alante Taylor in the second round. They expect big things uh, out of the second-year defensive lineman out of University of Houston. When you see this team, when you see its defense, what stands out to you right now? But just the quality of players they have at every single level. You know, when I'm sitting here and you're talking about the defense, I'm thinking, man, that secondary sounds pretty good, and, and they are really good. And then you talk about the D-line, and we haven't even seen Peyton Turner really play yet. He's a first-round pick. I don't think we've seen the best of Marcus Davenport. I'm hoping that Marcus can stay healthy. Cam Jordan, that D-line, I think that D-line is a big reason why the, the Saints give Tom Brady fits because of their ability to win one-on-one rushes and allow the guys in the back end to stay in coverage. And then you got DeMario Davis in the middle. Pete Werner, we've we seen him a little bit last year, had some really great plays. The more he played, the more big plays he made. So I think I'm excited about this defense because they are solid and they are very good at all three levels. If you want to line up and run the ball, the D-line and linebackers are good enough to stop it with safeties who can come down the box and play. And if you want to throw the ball – Try it because you got Marshawn Latimer is one of the best corners in the league. You have Roby, who's been a really good corner in the league for a long time. Paulson Adebo, I think, has a chance to be a Pro Bowl caliber player with the way he looked last year as a rookie and his size and length and speed. So they have all the body types you want at every single position. They're explosive. Dennis Allen's still going to have his hands on that defense, and and I think the defense is still going to be the strength of this team. Let's talk about that linebacking core. It's the position that you played. You mentioned Pete Werner had some moments last year. He he really did, and he's a little banged up to start the season, but they, they are high on him to line up next to DeMario. What do you make of that tandem in, in Dennis Allen's defense? Yeah, I, I really like the tandem. And, and, you know, I obviously get asked a lot about the linebackers, and the league has really become a two-linebacker league. And it's no longer are you a 4-3 defense or a 3-4 defense, and obviously if you're a 4-3, you have three linebackers. If you're a 3-4, you have four linebackers. It's really become a nickel league. It's really become – Chauncey Gardner-Johnson type body types, and I hated to lose him because the body type he provided as that nickel guy, almost like he's he's another linebacker slash DB hybrid type player, um, that's what the league is now. So when you talk about base defense, it's really two linebackers. You have to have two linebackers who can stay on the field for three downs, and they have to be able to play the run. They have to be able to take on linemen and, and fill those gaps inside. But at the same time, as a three-down linebacker, you have to be athletic enough to cover backs, cover slot receivers down the middle of the field, cover tight ends and man-to-man coverage. So if you've got two linebackers that can do that, it's a huge advantage to not get picked on over the middle. And we know DeMario, DeMario to me, he's always been a tackling machine, but I think what, what the evolution of his game since he's been in New Orleans Saints is his ability to play in space and blitz has been phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to see if Pete Warner can do that week in and week out, cover running backs and cover tight ends, because that's what you're going to be asked to do in that type of defense. Let's talk about Sunday's game. Atlanta is in a rebuild mode. They have Marcus Mariota there to be their bridge quarterback. He can be mobile. He's you know played well against the Saints in the past, especially that rookie season when he was with Tennessee. But there's no Julio Jones. There's no Calvin Ridley. They got a stud tight end. But they're in a rebuild mode. What do you make of this matchup, and how do you see this game playing out on Sunday? Yeah, I think the Saints are just way more talented than the Falcons. They are in a rebuild mode, but it is the NFL. And you have to bring your best every single week because even if you have more talented guys, you have a few more world-class athletes that are more talented, 
you still have to show up. Cause you, if you turn the ball over, you make mistakes, especially in the early part of the season, you'll lose games that you shouldn't lose. And, and this is a game that the Saints should not lose because they are just better on paper at so many positions. But, yes, Mar- Marcus Mariota, he does some funky things. They can win games with him early in the season, probably not dropping back and throwing the ball 40 times from the pocket because that's never been what, he, what he's about. But quarterbacks like this get, keep you awake at night as a defensive player because you just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know you're going to get rollout passes, run pass options. You're going to get RPO, um, college-type plays that you don't really prepare for a whole lot or see a whole lot, especially in your training camp with the Saints offense. So there's things like that that kind of worry you and keep you up at night. Like They can still make plays. They can make plays. It's going to be kind of gimmicky in terms of what you see week in and week out. But you have Kyle Pitts. You do, to me, you double-team him, you make somebody else beat you, and if somebody else beats you, then I think you you, you say, hey, that, that guy just played really well that week, but I just don't think they have enough firepower to do that for four quarters. Scott, appreciate your time as always, brother. Can't wait to talk to you again. Enjoy the weekend and enjoy watching the game, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds great. Thank you. That's Scott Shanley, former starting linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, a member of their Super Bowl championship team breaking down the rivalry between the Dirty Birds and the Hoodats and giving us a little insight about this weekend's matchup on Sunday. Hey, just a reminder, today's the last day for our ultimate tailgate giveaway. It ends today. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and UL games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. We can take our final time out of today's show. When we come back, we'll give our picks and finalize the poll question of the day. That's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Football fans, the first Sunday of the season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win, and if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Got to be 21 years of age to play and physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as a free bet. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms can be found at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake. Charles, gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Poll question of the day, final results. We ask you which top 25 matchup are you watching on Saturday Winning the vote overwhelmingly, 75% of you say Kentucky at Florida, 15% say all of them, 5% for Baylor at BYU, which will be the nightcap, and 5% say Tennessee at Pittsburgh. That Volunteers-Panthers matchup could be really, really good. 
I want to thank James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast for joining us, talking all things Houston Astros. I want to thank Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, helping us preview Southern versus LSU. I want to thank Zach Miller, our fantasy football expert, and of course, former Saints linebacker, Super Bowl champion, Scott Shanley, for joining us here on the show. Now it's time for us to make our picks. We'll start off on the college level. Let's start off with LSU taking on Southern. I expect them to win big. I expect them to find something with their offense. It's going to be a historic moment, but I like LSU to win this one 35-21. 35-21 in favor of LSU. It should be even more than that, but I got to see it to believe it. Uh, I got. I think LSU will win. I don't know if it's be as big of a margin. It's going to be 24-23 because I'm not sure what they're doing on their offense still. Woo-hoo! So. Oh, doubting Thomas over there about the LSU Tigers. I like that call. All right, let's go to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Hannah and I will be there for the game Saturday night at Cajun Field. They're taking on the Eastern Michigan Eagles. I like the Cajuns big in this one. I think it's going to be 28-14 victory for the Raging Cajuns. I have 34-28 Raging Cajuns. I'm just... They played against an FBS-level team last time. I'm not sure about Eastern Michigan yet. So, All right, let's go to the McNeese Cowboys. They have to travel to Rice, taking on an FBS opponent quickly. I like McNeese to play better, but I think Rice wins this one 31-28. I have as 21-17 Rice winning as well. And finally, the New Orleans Saints taking on the Dirty Birds. Saints got way too much talent, way too much talent. I think they win this one easily. I'm going to go 34-17 in favor of the Houdats. I said 36-27, favor of the Houdats. That's going to do it for our show. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parsh III. We'll do it all again on Monday, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.